another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, June the 26th. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Hope you're all doing well. Of course, you can listen to the show all the time on replay at MetsMorizedOnline.com. You can send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media on Twitter. Just contact me at MikeSilvaMedia.com. You can check out the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, pretty much wherever you get your local podcast fix. So. Anyway, a lot to talk about today. Great show. An oldie but goodie coming back uh, to join me in a little bit. Howard Magdal. Probably remember Howard from Will Pond's Follies and his coverage of the Mets' financial situation. He's now at Excel Sports, a website dedicated to covering women's professional sports. Howard's going to join me. And what else are we going to talk about? Jose Reyes, which, by the way, Howard has always been a huge Jose Reyes fan. So, It'll be very interesting for someone covering women's sports with what the backdrop is of Reyes returning to the Mets, what Howard's take will be on that. So Howard will join us in a just a little bit. Of course, we got a lot to talk about as uh, the Mets just wrapped up a, a four-game set with the Atlanta Braves, splitting the series. Another, I would say, lackluster performance today. I don't think you could uh, put any other adjective to it. Actually, the last two nights, if you've been watching Mets baseball, have not exactly been... Uh, Stellar performances, really tough to watch. Actually, all these games against the Braves have been really tough to watch. And let me get to the Reyes situation first because that's the main topic. That's where the story in the news is. And uh, as I'm recording this, Reyes just came out of the game. He's, in, he's interviewing with the media. It looks like Jay Horowitz is there. And uh, Reyes went 0-3 for in Brooklyn today. He'll be playing for the Cyclones again tom- tomorrow. Looks like he'll be spending about a week down in the minor leagues. Who knows what? Big series coming up. Mets are playing the Nationals and then the Cubs. Depending on uh, the ne- the team's needs, it may you know he may move through the system a little bit quicker. So it'll be interesting interesting to see how that all transpires and what comes of that. But the Reyes situation is interesting because look, the only reason the Mets have him, and maybe the only reason that Reyes has a job right now, is because both are very much in dire need. Reyes is in dire need of a team and because of the domestic violence issue and because he's not at the top of his game anymore, I don't think there were many suitors. It's a little bit different than Aroldis Chapman. When Aroldis Chapman had his domestic violence issue, if he were released, he'd have no trouble finding a suitor. He'd have teams lining up. Jose Reyes, not so much. And I think that goes back to kind of the phoniness about all this stuff because at the end of the day, this is a, a sport of competition. There's only 30 jobs out there for general managers, 30 uh, managerial jobs, 30 teams, and there's a lot of money at stake. And with a few exceptions, teams are going to say, hey, if this person or this individual can help my team win, am I really going to play semantics with the politics? Now, this isn't Fox News. This isn't CNN. It's it's really easy for all of us to sit around a, a fancy table with coffee cups and debate the meaning of certain things on a higher level. But none of our jobs are at stake uh, with this. And, and when it comes down to it, when there's a mutual need for each other in sports, it usually transpires into some kind of partnership. Now, personally, I have no issue with Jose Reyes coming back to the Mets. From a baseball standpoint, it makes tons of sense. It is the most low-risk, high-reward move that you can possibly make at this point. There's absolutely nothing but upside to this. The only downside is public relations. And so far, the Mets have handled it pretty well. I mean, Sandy Alderson came out and made a statement basically saying, hey, they've done 
some due diligence. They, they have a, a long record, a long track record of good behavior from Jose's time with the Mets. And Jose has said all the right things about you know forgiveness and moving on and what have you. I do understand for those out there who have an issue with potentially rooting for this player when they may have a wife or a child and that child wants to wear a Reyes jersey. I'm the same guy who would never be caught dead wearing a Michael Vick jersey. Or, I mean, I hate Michael Vick so much and what he stands for and what he did that I wouldn't even put him on my fantasy team. That is the truth. If I needed a quarterback on any given Sunday during the fantasy football season and Michael Vick was the only quarterback that could accumulate points for me, no matter how much money was out there to win, I probably wouldn't put him on there because I just – a lot of what he stood for I detest, and I know that a lot of people feel that about Greg Hardy. Now, the difference to me is I think there's a little bit different history of behavior with those individuals than there is with Jose Reyes. That doesn't mean what Jose Reyes did was right. I mean he threw his wife into a glass partition in the Four Seasons, um, and it is correct. You know, Just because there were no charges brought against him, a lot of times in these situations the woman – does not bring charges against the person that they're dating or married to because it creates other issues or there's a fear of retaliation or there's a fear of you know, being alone or not being with this person who obviously there's an emotional connection. So you know, my point is this, is that I'd like to bet a little bit that Jose Reyes, at least from the information – I've only met the guy one, once or twice, interviewed him a couple of times, and it's been a long time since I spoke to him, and that doesn't mean I know him at all because I don't. I don't know anything about him. All I know is is that he had one bad day that was a really bad day, that he's very fortunate didn't lead to a jail sentence, that I also know led to him being punished, losing $6 million, which you could say, well, you know, he's still going to make another thirty nine. But guys, I don't care how much money you make, $6 million is $6 million, and that's a lot of money to pay. It's a lot of money to lose. He essentially has his career on life support. I don't know. If it weren't for the Mets, if it weren't for success with the Mets, and if it wasn't for the fact that there was a need right now, I don't know if Jose Reyes would play baseball this year. So if that's not punishment, you know, I don't know what is. And I understand there are going to be people who, you know, politicians I see jumping into the fray and what have you, that are going to, you know, have their outrage. Last I looked, this includes Michael Vick, it includes Greg Hardy, it includes anybody that serves time, even if they were felons, when they serve their time and they come back out. They have a right to seek employment. That doesn't mean you have to give them employment. They have a right to seek employment. So anybody who says, well, you shouldn't employ you know, ABC because he did you know, whatever, well, that's wrong. That's just not right. I mean it is up to the team to decide what this individual is going to do to their brand. When he puts a Mets jersey across his chest, or if you're the Wilpons, are you comfortable with that? And if you are, that's really at the end of the day all that matters. And I think the Mets, especially Sandy Alderson, are very meticulous and very detailed and very thorough in their decision-making. And if this was going to be a political football that was going to go the wrong way, he wouldn't be here. It was no secret when they were doing those polls, the Twitter polls on SNY earlier in the week, and you had Mets blog writing about it. Those were trial balloons. I think all along they were thinking about this when he was released. I just didn't – they weren't sure how this was going to be perceived by the public, and that's a little bit different than what Jerry Jones did in Dallas. That's certainly different than what the Philadelphia Eagles or the New York Jets did with Michael Vick. I'd be curious if when Woody Johnson brought Michael Vick on to be uh, a member of the New York Jets, if he did any polling because I have a hard time believing that he would be, it would be favorable bringing him, bring him on, not to mention the fact that Michael Vick I don't think was ever a very good quarterback. 
I think he was always an overrated quarterback. So, and that's what it comes down to. If if race and and this this listen, the cosmos and the karma will always get you. Michael Vick has never been the same since what he did, which was a federal investigation, which led to gambling and drugs and obviously the torture, the cruel torturing of animals. Um, he had a little bit of a run there with the Eagles. Giants fans certainly remember a Sunday afternoon at I think it was the old Giants Stadium when he basically ripped the Giants' hearts out with a big comeback not too long ago. But Karma got him. Michael Vick's never been the same. Greg Hardy, I don't know if he's going to ever be the same. And maybe Jose Reyes will come and go two for 35 and look horrible in the field, and the Mets will turn around in three, four weeks and say, you know what, this sequel is not worth it. But at this point, it makes sense for both teams. It makes sense for the Mets to bring in someone who's athletic because right now this this organization is – at a at a crossroads of the season. And I really don't understand, you know, anyone who says, well, there's injuries and they got to wade through this. I understand missing Lucas Dude is a big deal. And I understand missing David Wright is a big deal. But I still believe what you have out there is enough to score runs and win. What you have is a situation where you have a lot of poor execution out there. Um, and I think Jose Reyes could bring some energy. I think this team needs a jolt. And maybe Jose Reyes can give this Mets team the same kind of jolt that the Yankees would get all the time when the Yankees would bring on Daryl Strawberry or they'd bring up Shane Spencer or Jose Vizcaino came over one year and, and killed the Mets in the World Series and gave them a jolt. And Glenn Allen Hill and Aaron Small. I mean, the list goes on and on. The Yankees, I always called it the Yankee bump. The Yankees would bring guys over who were you know, clueless somewhere else. All of a sudden, they put the pinstripes on. It's like, where, where did this come from? And, you know, sometimes the bumps last only a short span of time, and then they crash back down to earth. It goes back to the Aaron Small scenario I just said. Sometimes they, you know, last a little bit while longer. I think Reyes can do that. He could give them some energy. Maybe they need that. Maybe this team needs that because the next 14 games, it could really certainly break them. I mean, at the very least, I think they'll come out of this worst-case scenario in that muck of the wild card. Maybe, I mean, behind. But in that wild card muck, but they could really make a statement. They got 14 games, seven against the Nationals, who just broke a long losing streak today. Um, can they step up? Can they play elite? You know the pitching will be there. But will they be able to execute? I mean, another perfect example. Had an opportunity to get a run in today uh, with runner on third, less than two outs early in the ball game to tie the game up, and Rivera strikes out. Uh, they seem to struggle. You know, what happened with Diaz yesterday with the bunt? I mean, not to mention the fact that, and I got to question Terry Collins on that because here's a guy, a pitcher, not throwing strikes. Here's a guy with the way he squared around the first couple of times that didn't look like he could really bunt or wanted to bunt. Um, You know, why was he up there bunting? But here's a guy that, you know, totally foobarred the bunt and is so not in the game, you know, almost the cost in the game with with a bonehead not running to first double play. And then he doesn't want to answer questions at his locker after. And this is what I said, you know, do, does this team have the character or the kind of players this year, the kind of stand-up players in that clubhouse from 1 to 25 that make you believe that they're going to be able to uh, be in the trenches and get through tough times and get through this? Diaz doesn't seem to be that kind of guy. On the flip side, you got to like Michael Conforto. Here's a guy who could have snuck out of town and never said anything to reporters and ran to Vegas to get away from it all and insisted to take questions. And basically told reporters, hey, you know, and, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, I deserve this, I need this, 
I'm going to get myself back. You know, it did wonders for Travis Darno a couple of years ago. Uh, Lucas Duda got sent down, and it seemed to help him out. It's not fun. Look, it's, it's a big shock to the system going from the big leagues, and here's a guy that was playing in the World Series you know, not too long ago. Now he's going to be in Vegas playing in the Pacific Coast League. In hot weather, maybe some ballparks where there's not going to be a lot of fans. I mean, Cashman Field, we, we had Russ Langer on, the Vegas 51's play-by-play guy a couple of weeks back. It's an old stadium. It's, it's not City Field. It's not the big stage that this guy was on just a few months ago. But he's showing accountability, and I think it was important. I wasn't for sending Conforto down just a couple of weeks ago because I was like, well, what is this really going to do? I mean, but at some point you have to show the, organi- the, the rest of the organization that if you don't perform, you're accountable. And Conforto had to take the hit. He looked lost earlier this week. He looked lost on Friday, and he looked like he needed a break from this all. And maybe that sends a message to the rest of the team. But here's where the meat and potatoes. And next week at this time, who knows what our conversation is going to be. I mean, they're playing the Cubs. They'll be in the midst of a four-game set with the Cubs, and they'll be off the National Series in, in D.C. And if they have a great week, maybe all well, this is not going to matter. Maybe the Braves are in the middle of a real hot streak, and the law of averages is working out because it was so bad earlier in the year that now the Mets are in the midst of having to play them when the law of averages is swinging the other way. But how they struggled against Atlanta, how they allowed mediocre pitchers to shut them down, I don't know how that makes me feel when they play the Cubs, when they play the Nats. You know, they got a series with the Marlins. They got no easy cookies on this schedule to the All-Star break. And if you look at their schedule going into August, going into the Subway Series, and then they got to go to Detroit after that, this schedule's tough. Like, they're going to really be tested. And either they're going to be ready to play crisper baseball, to play fundamental baseball, to play with energy, to play with passion, to, to, to play the way that we've seen them play and we saw them play over an extended time, how they played against the Dodgers in the playoffs and the Cubs, or they're going to melt down, and you know what? The rest of the season isn't going to quite matter, or they're going to be one of these 500 teams that are going to muddle the way through the season and, and frustrate you and, and possibly be irrelevant. I mean, this could be a situation where in two weeks the Mets are not very relevant or they're in chaos. This is make or break. I think Terry Collins understands that. Part of me thinks he, he almost punted today by the way he said that he was going to not pitch Addison Reed and, and Familia, which shouldn't have mattered because I think he should be able to you know, score a couple of runs and hold down the fort against this Atlanta offense. Because I think Collins knows you know, it was more important not to go all out and try to win today, even when they were down by a run and bringing the big guns in, when he knows that the real you – know, it's all going to matter with, with how they play over the next 14 days, especially with seven games against the – the Nats, half their games, I believe, against the Nats. So that's uh, that's where we're at. Uh, Reyes will play a big part in this, and I think, uh, like I said, I don't think there's really much else to, to say in the sense that, um, you know, Jose Reyes needs the Mets, the Mets need Jose Reyes, and I don't think every situation uh, is uh, is the same, and I don't think we should judge Reyes because of situations that happen with Greg Hardy and other domestic violence issues or a position someone may take about Michael Vick versus Jose Reyes and so on and so forth. So anyway, let's take a quick break. When I return, Howard McDowell, Excel Sports, uh, author of a new book, The Cardinals Way. You remember him for his work on covering the Mets financial situation at Howard McDowell on Twitter. Uh, If you're a Mets fan, you know Howard. He's an old friend. It's been a while since we've had him on the program and uh, looking forward to catching up with him. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva here. 
Uh, if you want to listen to the show, go to MetsamorizedOnline.com. Check it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasting uh, needs. Of course, you could go to Twitter and find me at Mike Silva Media. We'll be right back. How would you like to get all of your favorite Mets merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Check out FanEssentials.net. All you do is pick your favorite sports team. In this case, it'll be the Mets. And every month, you get Mets gear shipped right to your door. They find the sports gear so you don't have to. Each fan box comes packed full of some amazing gear. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan. Prices start at just $34.99. Visit FanEssentials.net and use promo code TALKINGMETS at checkout for 30% off your first month. Visit FanEssentials.net to get all the essentials you need. The Mets switch hitting shortstop. Came up first time at back in the majors. Batting left-handed, base hit the right field. Then top of the seventh, Reyes, no longer a teenager, who turned 20 today, batting right-handed. A double to left field. So he went two for four in his debut. Here's the 1-1. And it's driven in the air to right field. Pretty deep. Encarnacion back at the wall. It is down. A home run. Jose Reyes takes Carpenter deep over the right field wall at the 371 mark, and the Mets have a one to nothing lead. We're back, Talking Mets podcast. Uh, your host, Mike Silva, here, and I'm happy to have with me old friend the editorial director at Excel Sports. You can check him out at Political USA Today Sports, Vice Sports. Also the author of uh, a new book that came out, uh, The Cardinal's Way. Uh, you, you, All of your Mets fans remember Will Pond's Follies. It's uh, our old buddy Howard McDell at Howard McDell on Twitter. Howard, uh, nice to have you on again and nice to go down for a few seconds there, uh, memory lane with some old Mets highlights. It's funny. It's, it, it, it all feels like a throwback. We're talking about Jose Reyes. You and I are doing a radio show together. It's like old times. That's true. That's true. And you know what's interesting? So the Mets signed Jose Reyes, which I did not expect, really. I know that thing, a lot has changed over the last week. Namely, it's just such a low-risk move. And uh, we'll get into the PR component of it. But uh, you didn't really expect this kind of fall from Jose Reyes. And listening to those highlights, although it's not that long ago, 2006, that was – Reyes' leadoff home run in game six of the NLCS. I almost feel like from a media point of view, from you and I, from the Mets, it, it, it's like another age. I feel like it, it might as well be 1969. It's amazing to think about how much has changed. Um, and quite frankly, how much has changed even in the past, let's say, four or five years. You know, I mean, you, you can go back to 06, and of course that's another era entirely, but you can go back to thinking in terms of 2011, you can think about where the Mets were on the success cycle in 2014 and 15, where they very much could have used having Jose Reyes, quite frankly, on the roster. And now in terms of, you know, what he represents, what he brings uh, as an offensive player and uh, what it means to uh, employ someone who's gone through um, or or rather who, who had his wife go through what she went through. Um, I think there's uh, a ton to consider, and uh, it's an enormously complicated uh, career situation legacy and and utterly fascinating uh, that it appears it's going to come full circle back to New York. I think you and I would both agree before we get into the the -the off-the-field stuff. This from a baseball move, who knows if he's going to go probably go down to the minor leagues. Uh, That's the report. Mm -hmm. The Mets are going to pay him very little 
He may only be a utility man. He may even play the outfield, third base, whatever. It's it's really such a low-risk baseball move. I mean, let's just start with the baseball component. I don't see anything from a strictly baseball perspective that there's any downside to this. Do you find oh, not anything? at all? I mean, no, no. There's there's you're going to pay a guy the league minimum. Uh, speed is at a premium in baseball right now. Um, It'll be fascinating to see what he's able to do at other positions, but, you know, he's, he's a terrific athlete, always has been, um, has always been an extremely hard worker. Uh, and the other thing about it is it, it sort of combines Reyes has wanted to play for a pennant winning team for a long time. Uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time talking to him about this through the years. There was uh, a real demoralizing effect on him, on his career, when he went to Miami, he gave up the no trade clause and suddenly, you know, his agency was not his own. You know, he, he was making a lot of money, which people seem to equate with happiness uh, for whatever reason or to discount whatever happens, uh, you know, to a player's career. But uh, the extent to which he was saddened by what happened being traded from Toronto, which was winning last year, to a rebuilding Colorado team cannot be overstated. And uh, race has always been an emotional player. So the idea of sending him back to New York, you know, he has a house in Long Island. He never wanted to leave New York. If he had gotten any kind of reasonable offer from the Mets or, you know, an offer, frankly, from the Mets, uh, you would have seen him uh, stay in New York. I am certain of it. And, um, uh, you know, and put him on a team where he's got uh, a comfortable place to live and a comfortable place to play. I, I mean, you know, from a baseball perspective, there, there's every chance this is going to pay off and then some. And you're, you're exactly right. Reyes is an energy player, and, you know, he wasn't great with Toronto before he got traded last year, but he wasn't bad. And if you go even back to right. 2014, which is not that long ago, um, no. you know, above league average offensive player. I haven't watched him enough in the field. I, I Certainly what I saw of him last year, he may not have the same, uh, you know, range that he may have had at one point, and I'm sure the speed is a tick slower, but there's nothing that makes me think that he's done until I see otherwise. 32, any player legs north of 30, that's always a concern. But to me, I'm not saying he's all of a sudden going to put a Struble Cabrera on the bench, but I think he might play a little bit more than just pinch run, pinch hit. I, I think you're going to see a guy that may play a little more and play maybe a little bit more of an impact role than we may think right now. I think so too. And of course, you know, all the talk about potentially playing him at second base it makes the Mets of a decade ago visionaries for wanting to move him in order to bring uh, Kaz Matsui in. Let's not forget about that. But, no, you're right. I, I, I mean, and, and the truth is that speed players tend to age better than power players. It's counterintuitive, but Bill James studied it, and we know it to be true. And so, you know, again, you know, can you pop him in a shortstop? Great. It's not like uh, Cabrera, who's, you know, been perfectly fine at shortstop, but not like he's some great defensive player that you have – uh, you know, oh, we got to keep him out in the field for a ball in the eighth inning. And, you know, you can potentially play him at second, third, maybe the outfield. Uh, it's hard to know until they, you know, tell what the plan would be to send him down to AAA, try him in different spots and see what he's able to do. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, what would be the downside from a baseball perspective, uh, especially when you look at what the alternative options are for the Mets at AAA? There are simply not a lot of uh, – clear major leaguers ready to come up in 2016 from the upper levels of the Mets farm system and make a difference. And Jose Reyes has 
a non-zero chance of being that. And if he's not, you're paying him the lead minimum, and you can cut him. Yep, absolutely. Now, uh, and by the way, we have with us uh, Howard Magdell, the editorial director of uh, Excel Sports, at Howard Magdell on Twitter. If you're a Mets fan, you, you, you know Howard pretty well. Now let's get to the off-the-field stuff, and this is where it gets a little tricky. And, and look, you're, you're a father of a couple of two daughters. Uh, you know, all of us have, you know, women in our lives if we're listening. And, you know, there's no excuse for what he did, Jose Reyes. But let's remember something. I mean, he did not get prosecuted. I mean, his wife didn't cooperate. And I know that some of it, a little bit of the Michael Vick comparison has come up. I mean, Michael Vick, um, it was a deeper than dog. There was drugs involved. There was a federal investigation. He was convicted. So I don't think it's apples to apples, but it is a fair point that for those who, you know, maybe Mets fans and, you know, didn't want anything to do with Vic on any level and now are saying, well, you know, Reyes, I'll look the other way. It is a, it is a little bit of a difficult, uh, when I use the word political football, for lack of a better word, but it is a little bit difficult. And I'm looking to see how, how you're viewing it because, I mean, this is personal. You're we're working for a site that covers women's sports. Well, let, let's leave personal out of it because, to, to be honest with you, I don't. I don't think you need to be able to have um, a, a personal professional obligation or even a personal connection uh, to women to um, understand that um, Jose Reyes last October, and this is not in dispute, uh, grabbed his wife off the bed and shoved her. Um, and reading from the police report, uh, responding officers say that uh, she also told police she grabbed her throat and he shoved her through a sliding glass balcony door. Um, that's what happened. So um, sugarcoating it or talking in terms of he was not prosecuted, his wife didn't cooperate, which is, by the way, a very common thing in um, episodes of domestic violence and in no way changes culpability. Uh, it simply changes the ability to prosecute, which are two very different things. Um, something we can't and shouldn't lose sight of. And there was a victim here and the victim was not Jose Reyes. The victim was Jose Reyes's wife. And we are in, in terms of baseball, an entertainment industry. Um, there's this confluence that people uh, have uh, in, uh, in, in terms of the construct that never makes a lot of sense to me, uh, which is uh, equating what his legal culpability was and his legal um, price to pay. You know, uh, whether it's legal in terms of the legal system itself or in terms of the um, significant suspension by Major League Baseball, uh, which I thought was appropriate. Um, and so now you're on the other side of it. And the question is, should there be a rule against a Major League team bringing him in? Um, I, you know, I, I think... Major League Baseball struggles with what I think everyone struggles with. I think it's a very difficult question, which is asking a sports league to make a determination about what is the appropriate punishment for what is was something with legal and moral implications. I think that's a hard thing to do. Um, I think you, you take that aside and you say, all right, in the entertainment industry, how do you feel about making a choice to employ – somebody, um, you know, as, as a matter of entertaining them uh, who did what Jose Reyes did. And I think it's a really complicated question. And I don't think there's an easy answer to it, uh, but it's something that leaves me very uneasy. 
in the same way that it leaves me very uneasy that Aldis Chapman uh, was uh, essentially given a free pass by his uh, employer, the New York Yankees, for his actions as well. And uh, it leaves me extremely uneasy in the case of someone like Greg Hardy, who not only was employed by the Dallas Cowboys, but Hardy made it clear that he, he had no, um, no remorse whatsoever for some of the horrific things that he did. Um, so it's, it's all very complicated. And as, quite frankly, someone who covered Reyes for a decade, um, I was heartbroken to hear it when it happened. Um, I was surprised, and it was, frankly, a really helpful lesson that, you know, look, the, as reporters, we don't know these people. We simply don't. We don't know the full capacity of who they are, what they're capable of, and their best and worst moments, that we get uh, a very small window into their lives. And as a father of daughters, um, I suppose, uh, but quite frankly, as the father of sons, I would feel exactly the same way. And it's a very complicated thing to say, this is a player who uh, was as enjoyable to watch as any met in my lifetime, with the possible exception of Dow Strawberry. But um, I'm uncomfortable about the fact that he's back with the New York Mets and you're in a stadium hearing him cheered by thousands of people, which if Reyes works out baseball-wise, the way we just talked about on the baseball upside, is a man being cheered by people less than a year after, again, taking his wife and grabbing her by the throat and shoving her through a sliding glass balcony door. Absolutely. Well well said, Howard. And uh, I agree with you. I mean, the only thing I find a little bit, difficult for me, and this is the same thing with Vic, is those who feel he doesn't have the right to employment. I mean, certainly it's the employer's responsibility to make that decision. You you know, like any mm-hmm. other job, you have to put down your criminal activities and then you have to make a decision. Right. Do I want to employ this person based on what they did? Uh, anybody right. in the audience who's been in a managerial position probably has had that situation. They ask that question on every application. Um, you're essentially, mm-hmm. if you say, well, Jose Reyes can't, you know, should never play baseball again. Well, then are you saying every criminal that gets out of jail should never work? I mean, what are we – as a society, what, well, then what are you going to do with these people? Are you going to well, punish them I mean, let, their life? Let's not, no? let's not talk about it on a sliding scale. Let's talk about it very specifically as it relates to this question. There, it is – you cannot conflate those two things. You cannot conflate does he have the right to seek employment with is it – does it make sense for a baseball team – to literally have their brand on a person's uh, on the front of a person's chest and represent them when that person has done what Jose Reyes did. That is the question before you. Sure. And that is Perfect. the very specific question before you. And that has nothing to do with a larger question of can somebody upon you know completion of a prison sentence, you know, for some other crime you know, that that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about very specifically, right. if you are the New York Mets, and you are a public-facing organization, and you are an entertainment product, is that what you want to say matters? And do you want to say that that person's ability to switch hit and steal bases and potentially play multiple positions that you weren't otherwise able to fill um, and even tap into some nostalgia 
as the greatest living shortstop in the history of the New York Mets, whether that takes precedent over making it clear that as an organization, you do not tolerate that type of behavior from anyone who you seek to employ. That's the question that's uh, before you. And uh, it seems like the Mets are making the same decision that the Yankees made when it came to 103-mile-per-hour fastball. Um, the question that the Dallas Cowboys made when they were in need of an extra pass rusher and the decision that is frequently made because it does not seem like the general public is going to uh, respond accordingly. And so as long as uh, those are the calculations, I think those are going to be the responses we get. You, you're, you're on the money, and the, th the big difference between uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the Yankees, and, and this could be a conspiracy theory, but there's no coincidence that the Mets threw this poll up on SNY during the game. Mets blog has been all over it. Um, I definitely think that was a trial balloon to say, okay, we're a little uncomfortable with this, but we need this player for ABC reasons. How bad will this be from us from a branding standpoint, which is exactly what right. you said. That's the difference with them, and I'm a little surprised because the Mets and the Wilpons specifically to me, these are the kind of things they want to stay away from. I mean, if you remember, Vince Coleman threw a firecracker, a really dumb thing to do, and Fred Wilpon said 20-somewhat uh, years ago he'll never play again for the New York Mets. Um, so this is a little out of character. You know, I know that you, you know the Wilpons aren't exactly angels. Let's put it that way. But at least I would, from what I know from being on the outside. This is a little bit different than what you'd expect from Fred Wilpon and his team when it comes to a morality situation, especially after what happened there in the, the early 90s with, with Coleman and Saberhagen and, and what have you. I think it would be fair to say that the Wilpon making the decisions these days is a different Wilpon, and it's probably worth pointing out uh, that the Wilpon making this decision uh, does not have a tremendous, rich, and uh, loving history publicly uh, with women, um, one need only to see the allegations sure. from Lee Castrogini, uh, which were settled with uh, Jeff Wilpon and Mets paying a nice chunk of money um, to know that that is the case. What do you? I mean, let's let's get a quick. I want to ask you about your 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 book because we haven't had a chance to talk to you about that. But uh, while I have you here, what is your feeling on this team? It's kind of a disjointed team, in my opinion. It's it's not been firing on all cylinders. Um, I think offensively, uh, you know, every, you know, all the data suggests that when you have a team that hits home runs, you have a team that wins. But they're hitting home runs and score, you know, in terms of the percentage of their runs scored at an historic rate, which to me is not going to translate well in the postseason against better pitching. I don't know. You, you you like some things about this team, but you also get the feeling that something's just not right. You know, for whatever reason, teams just don't come together sometimes. Like, what what are your feelings as we get? You know, we're in the Atlantic Series now. The All-Star breaks a couple of weeks away. How do you see the 2016 New York Mets? Well, so my, I think it's very much overblown, the concern about home runs. Uh, because, you know, to my mind, home runs are, um, and, and this is, I think, statistics will prove it better than singles, doubles, and triples. And so, you know, from my perspective, a team that hits a lot of home runs uh, can continue to do that in the postseason. Um, they, I, I don't think there's any reason to think that home runs decline at a larger rate than singles, doubles, and triples. You know, the pitching is better in the postseason, so 
your overall offensive production goes down. And, and I think home runs are a perfectly fine thing. To be frank, I believe that what the Mets have been suffering from, and the reason why they are three games behind the Nationals, is uh, that they haven't gotten enough of them. And uh, there's a real simple reason for that, and that is their starting catcher has barely played this season. Uh, he is, when he is on the field, a top-five performer at the position. Their first baseman, Lucas Duda, has barely played this season. And Lucas Duda, when he is on the field, and people on Twitter freak out about this for whatever reason, I have no idea why, but I pointed out, Duda is a top-five performer at the position. If you go back to the start of 2014, and you go by OPS+, Plus, Lucas Duda is the fifth or sixth, he's right there with Freddie Freeman, best first baseman in the major leagues. Uh, so hey, but they is, have the modern day Dave Magadan, and they have the modern day Dave Magadan and James Loney, though Howard. Oh, you gotta a, like that comparison. That came to me last night. That was he's Dave Magadan, isn't he? A little less on He's not not quite the eye that Magadan had yeah. in terms of little drawing walks, but but no, it's true. He's he's got the lack of power that Magadan had to be sure. I, and and Loney, I, that was a fine move by the Mets. They did not have an internal option. They had to give up very little to get him, uh, and Loney has been uh, just fine at first base. So that, that was that was the Mets taking advantage of an opportunity and filling it as best they could. But again, he's he's not he's not anywhere close to Lucas Duda in terms of production, uh, just as the catchers they have aren't anywhere close to production uh, that you got from Travis Darnell. And at third base, uh, it's worth pointing out that David Wright, when he came back, because remember, we're trying to compare this Mets team not to the 2015 Mets, but to the August 1st through October 2015 Mets. And that was a team on July 31st that was the worst offensive team in the National League. And that team, over the final two months of the year, uh, into the playoffs, was the best offensive team in the National League. The best. So, and, and they did that because David Wright played like David Wright, Lucas Duda played extremely well. Travis Darno was healthy and played extremely well also. And they added Johannes Cespedes. Well, now you only have one of those four players who were the four difference makers on offense playing this year. And so when you look at the gap between what the Mets were and what the Mets are, you know, you, you can look. There are other areas, obviously, you know, in terms of Matt Harvey's dip in performance consistency-wise relative to last year. But you lose those three key cogs at three important offensive positions on the baseball diamond. And I, you know, it's the difference between being able to beat a Washington team. That's very good in its own right, by the way, and being in the mix instead for a wild card, which is where they are. How ironic could Reyes, and I saw this on Twitter, Reyes could be replacing right at third base. If he plays every day at third. it's kind of I mean, weird. You and I, for years, conceived of, I'm sure, what many people did, which is that someday number five and number seven get retired and go up on the wall at the same time. And that seemed like it was not going to happen after 2011. But uh, permit me uh, more than a bit of skepticism that what happened last October um, to Jose Reyes' wife at the hands of Jose Reyes uh, will not 
prevent the Mets from retiring his number should Reyes come back, have a successful second act with this team, and lead them to a World Series. I think we could very well see that 5-7. and And instead of it being something of pure joy, uh, there will be something to color it. That's just the reality of what happened. Could you imagine him playing left field? Todd Huntley? Hopefully he does it better than Todd Huntley. I'm going to say, if I've seen Todd Hunley play left field, I've seen Daniel Murphy play <laughs> left field, I could certainly envision, I've seen Lucas Duda play left field, my goodness. Right. I mean, hey, the best I line still, I still Howard McDowell, the best line Howard and I had on a radio show is, I don't know who was playing, was it Marlon Bird playing the alpha? I can't, not Marlon Bird, Marlon Anderson mm-hmm. playing left field, and Howard <clears> said, just because I have a glove and I'm in left field. Doesn't make me a left fielder. I this said that's right. So you can put anybody in left field. Doesn't mean they can play. So um, <clears throat> I still remember that. Always stuck out. That was one of your better subtle, uh, humorous lines over there. Was it? Was it Marlon Anderson? I, I think right. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. It, it, that, it certainly that was... sounds like something I would have said about Marlon Anderson. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, couple of quick things. I do want to, you, you gotta ask you this while I'm on because they'll kill me if I don't. Are you surprised mm. it looks like the Wilpons are going to skate on this whole thing? It looked like they were going to lose the team. Now it doesn't look as much after, I guess, the latest uh, you know deal they cut regarding the payment. I am, I am not surprised about it because what what has turned out to be the critical switch, and this is worth remembering, is they were able to make what in, what amounts to a hardship settlement with the trustee for the Bernie Madoff victims because they were able to successfully prove Uh, through all of their financial documents, not just the Mets, not just publicly available documents, that they didn't have the money for even what would have been an $83.3 million pretrial judgment. And this was back in March of 2012. And so the settlement was made, and the trustees stood back and prepared to see them circle the drain. From 2012 to 2013, the value of SNY, where they own a 65% stake, went from $1 billion to $2 billion. That is a not insignificant amount of money that gave them the ability to significantly increase the value of and what they were able to borrow against SNY, which went from $450 million to well over $700 million. And that influence of capital was allowing them to stay afloat. Um, You know, it is, uh, you know, essentially tearing down the house and selling the uh, the walls is firewood, but that's what they did, and got them to 2015, which, as we've talked about, was enormously lucrative uh, because of postseason alone. Uh, not to mention the huge number of extra people who have come into the stands last two months of last year and the start of this year. So it all makes a lot of sense. It's still, to a uh, disconcerting extent, built upon the house of SNY debt, and of course. Should there ever be the burst of the bubble in uh, the regional sports networks, uh, it will be a difficult thing for them to weather. But uh, in retrospect, the sports bubble uh, saved uh, the Wolpons just in the nick of time. So, yeah, uh, yeah, their die was cast the moment that that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you wrote a book called The Cardinals Way. It came out earlier this year. And... um, I still haven't got my copy, by the way. When am I going to get my copy? I've been moving. You didn't. It oh, wish I, I never got. I didn't get an electronic it. copy. Oh, I felt, unacceptable. I felt a little unacceptable. You need to be. So I can't better. say I re- I can't say I've read it yet, but I, you know what I've talked about. I remember we, we chat offline a little bit while you were going through the process. 
Um, I know this is a Mets-centric podcast, but I think from talking to you offline and, and from following you on Twitter and your writings, it seems like you learned a lot about – I know it's the Cardinals' way, but you learned a lot about organizations, how they're built, how they're run. Um, it sounds like you also probably got a whole different perspective on the managing of a baseball team than you had ever before, and you've been covering baseball now for well over a decade. Yes, and and the difference was the amount of access, just the extent to which the Cardinals threw open their doors, uh, and from Bill DeWitt, the owner, to John Mazalak, the GM, on down, being able to see the way in which it was done. And so it was absolutely a fascinating perspective, and uh, for sure, to learn as much as I did about the Cardinals, but also about the Houston Astros, because I spent a good deal of time with Jeff Lunau, who was responsible for a lot of the animating ideas behind that turnaround. Um, it was uh, absolutely a fascinating view into things. This was the journalism project I got where I got every single question answered, and that was wow. huge, and that was enormously That's helpful. Rare. And um, Yeah, for sure. And nothing was left unsaid, and nothing was left unasked, and the net result is – uh, a book that, uh, frankly, I'm extremely proud of. After going through that process, do you feel differently about how the Mets are run, better or worse? Is there anything you can share with the audience, knowing now a lot about organizational building, how you feel about where the Mets are right now in uh, you know, June of 2016? The extent to which the Cardinals are able to plan three to five years out financially is such a massive advantage for John Mazalak over the way Sandy Alderson has had to plan weeks at a time. I could not begin to say, and it was something I understood from the Mets end of things, but just seeing the way that process plays out at the other end from an organization that employs best practices is remarkable. What it did was only reinforced for me, how astonishing it is that Sandy Alderson was able to build a winner here in New York. All right. So you got the Cardinals way, Excel sports. Why don't you let the listeners know everything they need to know to find you and Excel sports. This is a, a, a new venture. I mean, you've taken a lot of yeah. time on that. You've got a big role in that. Uh, if I'm correct, you are the only male on the staff as well. So you're a pioneer Howard as well. I never thought I, well, I knew you were a pioneer, but I'm Fair proud enough. to say it. I think. Look at look New at where you know you've come a long way from from, from the little uh, NYBD homebrewed podcast on your uh, you know Bluetooth driving in the car. Well, you you and me both. <laughs> but, you know the reality is that um, contrary to the occasional protestations of other people in our industry, uh, that I haven't found it very difficult at all to assemble a team made up of highly qualified, incredibly motivated, and super talented women uh, as my staff. Uh, so uh, I can tell you without reservation that I would have happily hired another man had there been another man who was best qualified and best positioned to do the Mike job. Mike Frances is going to uh, be out of work soon. Mike Frances will be out of work next year. He's retiring. Maybe I'm, he'll be part-time. No, I'm, I'm going I'm to pass on. Okay, I, I don't. I need like highly motivated individuals, not people who fall asleep <laughs> on the job. So, you know, Excel Sports uh, is filling a niche in the marketplace. Um, there simply is not consistent, comprehensive coverage of women's sports across uh, across sports, uh, whether it's the WNBA, NWSL, U.S. Women's National Soccer Team, uh, and, and on and on. There are so many great women athletes who simply do not 
get nearly enough coverage, uh, which, by the way, therefore drives attendance, uh, which therefore drives the economics of the game. And uh, as long as the media fails to in, to take on its responsibility in uh, in doing this, you're going to continue to see that uh, yawning chasm in the economics between the two genders. Um, and so Excel Sports is the uh, attempt, and I believe it will be a successful one, to um, service the millions of women sports fans who are, frankly, drinking sand right now because there's no water to drink. Uh, and uh, the reason why I'm certain Excel will succeed is that the economics make all the sense in the world. There are all these unserved sports fans who uh, we're going to reach out to, and while the rest of the media chases after those same three clicks about LeBron James, uh, that we will be in, you know, the untapped water. Um, you know, we will be zigging while everyone else is zagging. I think people will look back and laugh five years from now, and, and they will succeed for the same reason that diversity always does, not because it is the right thing to do, though it is, but because there is always, uh, eventually, uh, a bottomless pile of money in diversity. And um, so eventually the rest of sports media will figure that out. But uh, there's a lot of sports media chasing its tail right now, trying to figure out how to deal with a declining pot. And this is certainly what I believe is uh, a clear solution. Hey, I always enjoy catching up with you. We got to do it more often. We both get busy doing things. Love it. And, you know, you've been generous with your time on the weekend. And uh, this brings back a lot of memories. We'll see what the reaction is from the general public. Um, you know, good, bad, good, bad comments, and uh, you be well, and uh, we'll do this again. All right, my friend? Same to you, Mike. Great to hear everything's going well, and uh, yeah, glad to catch up. We don't do it enough. You're right. And that's Howard Megdell. Check out Howard at Howard Megdell on Twitter. Of course, uh, Excel Sports, uh, writer at large, Politico, USA Today Sports, Vice Sports. His book, The Cardinal's Way, just came out. And of course, if you haven't checked it out, Will Pond's Folly. That's a little older book, but you know he's done some extensive financial coverage of the New York Mets. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, final thoughts. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Check us out all the time at MetsMariahOnline.com. We'll be right back. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now that's Mets M-E-R-I-Z-E-D online.com and get Metsmerized today and he pops up the bunt and Flores has it drops it and he'll get the force at third and now he can get a force at second as well it's a double play Oh, my the word. The Mets turn a double play as Flores attempted to catch the bunt on a liner. He trapped it. Umpire said he no catch, and he gets the force at third, and they get the force at second as well. We're back. 
final segment here, Talking Mets Podcast. Uh, Mike Silva here. Uh, right before I wrap up here, I wanted to give you guys a little heads up. I know I've been uh, doing promos here for FanEssentials.net. It's a, uh, a new supporter of the show. Um, trying to pay some of the bills here to keep this show going. We're not making a ton of money here, but like to make a few bucks and um, you know pay for some of the small overhead we have to keep bringing this, hopefully, what you feel great content. But anyway, every Monday, I'm going to tweet out a trivia question or a comment that refers to the first person getting back to me um, can win a free month of Fan Essentials, which basically you get a box. It's kind of like a box of gift. You get it. And it'll, you'll pick your team. And if you want, obviously, if you listen to this, you probably want to do the Mets. But if you're a Knicks fan or a Jets fan or a Giants fan and you want to check it out because you already have a ton of Mets gear, you can do that too. You can do whatever you want. Essentially, every month it's like getting a, a gift. It's it's getting a bunch of mem- of sports merchandise that you know you can wear or use. Is you know go to thefanessentials.net and you get the point. So. Follow me on Twitter if you're not right now at Mike Silva Media, and I'll probably put out a little, uh, you know, blurb and say, hey, you know, this week I actually said what was the ballpark that Kurt Smith felt was underrated. The first person to get back to me uh, will get a free month, and you will get the free month because Chris from MetsamorizedOnline.com was the first one to say it was Comerica Park, and you got the free month. So, Chris, let us know how your Fan Essentials box turned out to be. Hopefully. That first free month and the box you get will uh, will serve you well. So check me out on Twitter at Mike Silva Media and uh, looking forward to getting out and giving away some more of these fan essential boxes. Of course, that's about it. Want to wrap up? I want to thank uh, Howard Megdell. You can check out Howard at Howard Megdell on Twitter, XL Sports. Of course, you can check out the show all the time at MetsmarizeOnline.com on replay. You can check me out on iTunes, SoundCloud. Go to Twitter at Mike Silva Media. MikeSilvaMedia.com if you want to send me a personal note. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>